0: Welcome to episode 17 of SiteChat. Chat. In this episode, James and I continue to talk about motivation. In particular, we focus on self-determining theory, SDT for short. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As usual, if you have any comments or suggestions, please send them to sitechat at omnisite.com or tweet to site underscore chat. Hi there, and welcome to site Chat. This is episode 17, and I am Austin Tay, your host. And of course, today I have my co-host, James. James, how are you? Dr. Austin, always a pleasure. <laughs> ah, It's always nice to have you on this podcast together with me. Now, we were talking about motivation in our last episode, uh, which of course, it is not up yet uh, for those who are listening to this one. You will get to listen to it when it's up. Uh, We talked a a little bit about motivation. Actually, we talked quite a bit about motivation. And there were so many things uh, to talk about and to cover. We decided that today we are going to do an extension of the topic of motivation. Now, prior to this recording, both of us were were talking a little bit more about motivation, the existing model where uh, psychologists, practitioners, uh, still very stuck with uh, Maslow's needs uh, hierarchy of needs. and we know that uh, on a kind of level we we understand it is essential to 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 know the fundamental biological needs. Uh, but in practical terms, researchers also found that uh, the needs themselves, the way it is uh, categorized is not necessarily very linear. It doesn't go that way. And, of course, in the context of work, uh we are questioning whether Maslow's needs is actually applicable, and of course with that, other theories that come up with different theories to explain now james you, you are very passionate about motivation, and then you know
1: the theories
0: <laughs> itself Now you were talking to me a little bit more about uh why why can't we have a model that is more suitable for for uh the folks? In, in our space you know or, or even for uh, work related roles you know you you mentioned a little bit about uh some of the studies that you, you, you uh, read uh, Barak, uh, and, and, uh, Barak and, and, and Mount mm. gave out this thing called high level strivings now there's a connection with traits high level mm. stri- uh, strivings and then related to the relevant job uh, that will yeah. kind of um, uh, support what they the the uh, theorize as in there's a connection between the tweet, the tweets itself, what kind of traits will actually exhibit the mm. motives or high-level strivings, and then identify that, we can come up with jobs that are more tailor-made to the individuals rather than the, the box-standard type of jobs. And as we know, the world is evolving. Mm. Uh, the, the work environment is, is evolving very fast. More and more uh, uh, jobs needs to be created but we can't stick with the same old, same old anymore. So I want to hear your perspective of all this, your your <laughs> uh, uh, insight to that, because I think it, it has to be shared. It has to be shared to all our, our listeners because it's really, really interesting what you were talking to me uh, earlier. Please, please do so.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Austin, really kind.
0: Yeah, we were talking
1: about just a state of understanding of of motivation and i remember you know some months back when when we were just talking about it you you know there's a common idea that motivation research hasn't moved on you know for decades Mm. the reality is it has it's just not really been picked up and it's hard to understand why um the yeah, obviously we, we we have different opinions now because you know, we 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 I think we're much more up to date. But yeah, if in in if we go to an organisation today and we ask somebody about motivation, an HR you know, person or whatever, they're likely to be able to tell us something about you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, they might tell us something about Hertzberg's you know satisfaction uh, hygiene theory. Yes, uh, yeah, that's probably it. Yes. Oh, they'll say something about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation as a dichotomy. You know, it's one or the other. You know, and that whatever that is, just as a categorical exercise, and that's probably it. Mm. Motivations are typically then understood as that the paradigm is that oh, if you think about the you know, the, the triangle of of people, you've got you know, things you can see at the top and things you can't see at the bottom, and there's traits up there, you know, which you can see because. Those are how we describe ourselves and other people through behaviours. And underneath traits is motives. Mm. We can't see them there; they're not seeing. It. Actually, that's, that's how you know, Murray would 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 say motives are. They're unconscious, and therefore you can only you can't express them directly. You can only access them through fantasy, mm. you know, through the A- 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 TAP T- A- with thematic apperception test. You know, sort of psychodynamic projection into into image descriptions yes Uh, but it it and then somewhere in that mix is values well well, where do values go oh they're deeper than motives are they the same as motives no they're not the same as motives they're above motives my god if you go to a a, an online uh tool to measure motive motivation and i have done many (laughs) uh You will find if you're just curious about what's a value and what's a motive, when is a value a need, when is a need a motive, a value? Mm. It's all over the place. Yes. The the motivation questionnaires typically seem to be a a wish list, a a mix of terms that could either be in someone's head a value, in another another person's head a need. Now, of course, you know, in some ways, if they're motivating, if they have an effect on on a person. Putting in more effort and getting a, a, a beneficial performance or well-being outcome, then that is a motivator, motivator, mm. however, we describe, we label them. But fundamentally, we we seem to be unclear about what is a need, what is a value, when is a need not a value, when is a value not a need. And it literally is just jumbled up. Mm. And and what's the relationship between need motivations and traits? Are they biologically different, psychologically different? Which comes first, right. the need or the trait? Mm. And so uh, you know, I've been enjoying the last few months trying to unravel this. And also the, the issue that this for the problematic paradigm is that, um, that it's somehow all based on the individual rather than on the individual in society, in mm. their context. Mm. Because motives are sometimes derived. the reason I do something is absolutely a factor of of my culture, of my family, of what I need to do for my family now, what's critical for their survival or otherwise, or just to get you know some sort of reward. So to ignore the system, the the sociocultural system that I'm existing in, plus my individual, motivators and my personality would be you know it's hardly unsurprising that we we can't really predict anything out of it it's too, it's too complex but what we've got at the moment is seems to me still an understanding It's too simplistic too out of date not connected at, mm. with the, with our neurological insights now yep. um, and ignoring the, the the big five trait understandings that we have that have evolved the way- <laughs> You know, in in the last two three decades, that haven't necessarily been integrated properly into into our understanding of of these higher order strivings. Mm. Mm. So, so to to pick up on that, you know, there's lots of things to pull apart. But I'll pick up first and just describe for the folks what the traits approach to motivation is, and maybe then we can talk about. Actually, maybe, could we talk about first self-determination theory? Sure, sure. Let's, let's do a Daisy uh, SDT then. Fantastic. I mean, just briefly. Um, so self-determination theory, uh, is easy to pick up and have a look at, it is a collection of many things, but the fundamental part, it deals with uh, the nature of what motivates and it has this nice continuum of, from extrinsic motivation to intrinsic motivation. And previously, we would talk about this as a dichotomy. Something is an extrinsic motivator or an intrinsic motivator. Their approach, Jesse and Ryan and all their other collaborators, um, would say, no, 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 it's not that at all. We can understand that in more, more of a continuum, is that just the more internalizing those that, that need becomes the more motivating it becomes. Mm. And the more internalized it is, the more that I feel that it's me, it's by my choice that I'm doing this, the more that I will will derive actual enjoyment and interest out of it, the more intrinsically motivating it is. And the more intrinsically motivating it is, the more likely I will get well-being and performance benefits from it. Mm. So it has this continuum. So we're saying your, your mother, your parents' desire for you to be you're very conscientious could be something that's anathema to your personality, to your traits, or your basic needs yourself. But you can slow, so it begins an extrinsic need, an extrinsic drive that you need to satisfy without, uh, otherwise, there will be consequence. And the more you can internalize that, and, and there we get into a bit of that um, uh, cognitive dissonance what do I do? Yes. But if the result of the cognitive dissonance is to internalize it, then that's more likely to become intrinsically motivated, and you it becomes part of you. Mm. It's no longer their desire; it's your desire, mm. and that's fabulous. So it's to appreciate, and in that journey of internalization or the degree of autonomy that we see in it, of our of our actions, we get in the execution or pursuit of those things, we get meaning and purpose out of them. Mm. So in some ways, you know, the in, pure intrinsic is just. Enjoyment and interest it's not meaning and purpose necessarily, but meaning and purpose is is, is derived on that journey uh, as we're internalizing it
0: mm.
1: so it, it's it's a really nice way to think about extrinsic and intrinsic in a more refined way and in, in, in a more way of the, of, the, of the mind trying to work stuff out. Mm. but the power of the power of motivation is when we own it, mm. when we feel that it dies, and ultimately when we're doing it through enjoyment or interest, or pu- meaning and purpose to us.
0: Mm. I, I like the fact that you just said that. It's, it's like, because our understanding of motivation is so clearly defined as in either intrinsic or extrinsic. What you are saying is, yes, although it could be an extrinsic motivation, if we are able to internalize that, it becomes something that we really yearn and we really want to do. We're not just doing because there is a reward waiting for us. We're doing it because we really want to do that. And it's something that is uh, in us that propels us to do so. And I think that will also kind of look at um, the intrinsic motivation. It's not a very selfish thing anymore. Someone might be doing, you know, from what we know, someone is doing because they want to do something to keep them happy, to to satisfy their their own uh, internal... Uh, uh, motivation uh, or needs or wants but sometimes if you know if from what you're saying what ryan this is saying, if, if it, it comes from a continuum we could actually internalize extrinsic uh, motivators to become something that we really yearn to do i can see how that is going to translate into someone being selfless someone being able to do something uh, bigger than themselves so it's not just about me for me.
1: society
0: yes for society and for it, their
1: family their parents you can see yeah. how those cultural drivers yes. needs yeah actually become connected to me and my motives yeah and it's not me internal my own things i can yeah. internalize society's needs
0: yeah and, and, it's, yours, a of and yes. Yes. it's a lot of and private they become
1: mine yes
0: it's longer private thing i think
1: yeah it, it starts to connect to me with the external world and the external social cultural systems that we exist in
0: yeah and that's fantastic yes and i, I think also it, it can't uh broaden the concept of identity you know uh, self, yes, lovely right self-identity because your identity is not just who you are what you're makeup of you're greater than that you're, you're more than that your identity now is expanded because Uh, Whether we like it or not, we are all part of a a system and we are part of a greater society. Uh, Mm. Researchers in the past or theorists in the past always view human beings as a very individual selfish. But I think at this time and age, we no longer can actually perceive ourselves as a a very selfish individual person. Uh, We have to be more... I I hate to use the word collective, but I think we need to be a little more collective as in in Asia, right? Where we are always known as being more collectivist. But I I think generally everybody needs to think about the next person uh, next to them, the person that maybe two two houses down the road, how my actions are going to impact them too. And I think this is what, uh, uh, when we talk about motivation, it should go in that direction. And in the context of work, I can see a lot of benefits because if someone is very dedicated because of their intrinsic motivation, they are coming to work a little bit more uh, geared up, a bit more motivated, and they know what they are doing is not only just uh, satisfying the processes within the work, but it's going to create a great impact to the society at large. I think, wouldn't be be... Great feeling to wake up, you know, today I'm doing my work, but I know the work that I'm doing is going to impact, have a great impact to the society. I think that's a fantastic way to look at motivation.
1: Yeah, it connects it with with our whole us, with our social, cultural environment. And those those elements can become purpose and meaning for us beyond our just our self-enjoyment, yeah. this sort, sort of satisfy- you know, feed me more chocolate. Ridiculous. <laughs> now, we, we're more complex than that. Yeah. And ultimately, our motives, the things that drive our behaviors, are clearly more complex than just, you know, I want this, I want that. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Or it's for my growth. No, no, no. It's, it's too limited. So it, it is a lovely, it does lead to many questions. Yeah. It uh, allows us to start to embrace more things when we stop seeing it as a dichotomies. Yeah. Um, it's more refined than that. And it, as you quite rightly point out, it connects us with, external the external world mm. which is really great the other other part of the theory although there are several parts of it but obviously the, the key bits i think is what they define as being primary needs mm. and they they come across criteria to say well what is a what's a real core need for a human rather than just again wish lists of stuff which are, we've, we've got lots of um they they have they can define they've, they've got a you know five six seven eight nine characteristics that try to say well what what is a, a primary need and again they'll talk about a biological basis universality mm. one of the fundamental things about it, though is that the the satisfaction of it which is it's insatiable because it's a it's a it's a need yep um it's it's not a it's not a deficit they're not deficit needs like physiological things you must have it yep. you know and if you don't you if you're thirsty, you've got to drink water, then you're okay. This is where where more like the um growth needs from Adolpha or for, yeah. for 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 Maslow's higher needs, which 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 aren't satisfied, you can yeah. just keep she keep wants- feeding them. Um they they would say that uh um they they come down to oh yeah, that that, that a need isn't if a need, if it's if this thing is a need. If it's satisfied, then the then the organism gets benefit, yep, and that's in fundamentally in its in its well being or for its survival, and for us that's you know that's that's performance. Yep. I, I, I do more work. yeah, you know, I survive, and more value to community, whatever, um, and my well being, mental and physical, and through those things they come up with with three needs, and they obviously echo lots of previous research, um but they are, for them, ARC, autonomous uh, relatedness uh, and um, competence. And the definition of those are, are, are tricky because, again, as we know, a title is a title. The definition is the critical thing. Yep. Autonomy for them, uh, of course, there's always this idea of, uh, for humans of you know the this balance of individual against group. Autonomy, though, for them, is a little bit mixed up with this idea of internalizing um, the, the, the motive from extrinsic to intrinsic. But the autonomy to them is about volition, is that it's me making the decision. I'm able to be responsible and to make my decisions. So it, it, it's not about being independent. It's about being responsible and, and able to make choices. So I can be in a collective, in a, in a group, and that's wonderful, but I'm the way I make choices for my behaviors are my choices. I just make them in the line of my what I want to do yeah. Mm. so autonomy is, is for them is that is the is that ability to make um decisions on my own my own way and you can see how we can easily link that to 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 the world of work yep. you make people you going back to job design task clarity yep. you know responsibility feedback fantastic yep. yeah yep. recognition that you know, this is you, and you're responsible. And you know, listening to people, asking for opinions, giving them a chance to job craft—that's all feeding this need for autonomy. Yep. And the autonomy is just saying that I am uh, an adequate human being. I am growing. Yep. So the autonomy part is is very linked to, I think, to the growth part. Is that I I can grow as a as, a, as an independent flower. I can grow. This is great. Mm. I'm functioning as a. As a as an adult, here. Mm. the relatedness one is is obviously linked with many mo- many motivational stuff. where will identify the absolute need for humans to relate to others, to be part of a group, yep. and that's like obviously a complex thing, but hugely. Uh, there's, there's no debate about that. as a need of being fundamental that humans need need that um, need to feed that, and again in in the workplace, easy to drive those needs. But so critical now we think about it in these disconnected times. Yeah. How do we feed everyone's relatedness need? Mm. How do we do that? Mm. Um, and the, the final one, and competence, competence is, is, is this idea about the human need to be mastering right. their, our environment. We must see ourselves as being capable of surviving. And of demonstrating our value to our group, which also guarantees our survival. We we there's this innate, this, that what underpins all these three for them is the belief that humans are innately driven to grow. And this is something that comes out from Murray and from, from Maslow as well, you know, and all the, the, the um the human humanistic sort of psychology is that human, they see the human condition as being one of capability and growth. Mm-hmm. Well, that we are a curious species, that we want to learn and grow, that's how we become healthy. We're not healthy if we're put in the dark and, and, and chained to a lamppost. It's just, just not how we as humans are. And that these three, these three needs recognize that. And I think that's very positive. And yeah. so equally so easy as a quick checklist Mm. to think it, given that these are fundamental needs and universal across the world. Because yep. people will exhibit them in different ways, but everybody needs these. One way or another, they need them. Mm. So you won't go wrong if you offer, if you create mm. jobs like this, mm. plus the other stuff. Mm. And I think that's a that's a positive thing. and We should be talking about this rather than Maslow.
0: Yes. But well, Of course, the question here would be the fear uh, that organizations have when they are giving individuals <laughs> too much autonomy, and you know, and uh, I think organization is kind of a very weird creature, isn't it? They they like to have people working, but they don't like people to over socialize. So then, of course, in pinch on the uh, second part, you were talking about relatedness, because you and I know as, as psychologists, human beings thrive to be around people. We thrive in the sense of we will be able to bounce ideas, uh, creativity will will come up from discussion. And uh, even from from, uh, arguments or discourse, uh, discourse, we are able to come up with new things to to grow. And for organization to restrict us, or restrict employees with uh, rigid job description and a very arbitrary performance uh, matrix is just stamping down their ability to grow. And Mm -hmm. I see a lot of organizations talking about, oh, how can then we uh, have this growth mindset and and make people think differently? Start from the fundamentals, start from the way you actually create the jobs. If your job itself is restrictive, You cannot expect the employees to be able to come to work one day, oh, I have a growth mindset because I've just learned how to to think differently. You can't because if the job itself is not giving them the autonomy or the capacity to deviate, uh, but then still doing the job in alignment with the organization vision or strategy, then no matter how many trainings you're going to give them, they will not be able to do so because they are curtailed from data. Yeah. And I think organization, hoping some of them would be listening to our podcast and, and realize that this maybe is something they need to look at. You know, how do we create uh, such an environment to implement something like this? And, and we were talking about job crafting previously. Um, the more I, I, I draw on the word of job crafting, you know, it seems that it is not as difficult as most people think. I, I think it's also the component of or rather the the, the factor there would be people who are managing others. Are they willing to let people uh have autonomy, full control of their job? We hear a lot of uh managers saying, you know, I, I want to delegate, I want to empower people. But it's a word. It's a word that the actions doesn't really coincide you know i want to empower but they have to be empowered within a restricted framework and there's not empowerment at all and i think mm-hmm. that is very dangerous but listening what you know you have just said about uh, autonomy relatedness and competence this is you're right a universal thing everybody wants to do that but if we are not able to be given that uh, space and environment to do it Organization is going to be expecting to get employees who are going to be like zombies doing what they are told, but they will never be able to help the organization grow or produce uh, new ideas for them. And I think this is something organization needs to really think about it and, and stop basing uh, on motivation just with a very... Uh, uh, to differentiation here, just intrinsic and extrinsic itself. It's more than that. They need to start thinking a little bit more about motivation. And uh hopefully we have conveyed this message to them. And with the Absolutely. excitement yeah. about talking about it. Uh but of Absolutely. course go go on. Please, please tell us a little bit more. You, you want to tell us <laughs> about, uh, about a trait. Sure, yeah. Um I think uh I yeah, obviously I what you say.
1: The uh Self-determination theory is simple enough and fundamental enough to apply and and very straightforward to apply appropriately Mm. in the workplace. And obviously leaders have to to decide what sort of business and people they've got. Um, the, The key thing to remember about this is that it's not some sort of righteous crusade is motivation. Motivation from a business point of view is just getting the most out of your human resource. People have come to work with capabilities that they will not use unless they're motivated. What you're trying to do as a leader is to get them to to give their, their maximum effort to you to engage those capabilities in a way that they can, they can operate at a high level over, over a long period of time. That's what motivation gives you. It's the, it's the, they've got an engine. Motivation is the fuel. Motivation is the overdrive that gives you more. It's discretionary effort you're trying to get from people. And humans have so much of it. So that again, it's, it's not like we come in and we just operate in one gear. That may then be what our default setting is. Well, we're going with gear one, but if I'm motivated, if I have, see purpose. If I feel enjoyment or interest in this, if these basic needs are satisfied sufficiently, I've got second, third, fourth and fifth gears to give you Mm. in engaging my talents. Motivation is not some sort of liberal game to make the world a nice place from a business point of view. This is hardcore resource exploitation because of how humans are. And leadership is just that. Is getting people to go in the direction that you want to go, but to go willingly and with effort. That's leadership, Mm, mm, mm. which is is just engaging people, motivating people to do it. So it's so important that we understand this. We understand how people work um, and that we can come up with, for, for managers and leaders, with effective ways to do that. And, of course, for individuals to understand, you know, if they're crafting their own life. Yeah, How to make it, how to get more out of it yeah. by, by, by giving themselves the things that they actually need. Mm-hmm. So here's a great, great thing. Obviously, there's lots to it. The great thing with social de- uh, self-determination theory is it really is, it has been extremely well researched now. And the impacts have been demonstrated in meta-analyses in multiple areas from education to sport to work. Uh, and 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 the health, and I think that's why it's 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 really is now setting itself up mm. as the de facto um, model of motivation for for this part of the twenty first century, and that's a good thing
0: because yeah, it's, good- it's
1: helping us define things, it's yeah. helping us clarify things. Mm. Mm. So on the back of that, I can link to the question about traits. So uh, the, the question I asked you earlier was yeah, a bit teasing: you know, which comes first, you know, the motive or the trait? Yes. So in that paradigm, which we talked about earlier, the traditional paradigm, the motives are deeper psychological constructs yes. than the traits, but um, we've, we've those in the area, of course, will have heard of the big five uh, traits who emerged in the 1990s and, of course, are very, very well established now as, as the default way to describe personality traits, mm. big five, extroversion through to conscientiousness. The, the drivers of that model, primary dr- drivers were you know, folks called Barrack and Mount, and they're extremely well-published and well-known. Well, they've not, not dropped their championing of trade. And they're saying, through a, uh, a theory that they've come up with called the theory of purposeful work behavior, a uh, little reference, Barrack and Mount, Barrack, Mount and Lee, 2013, where they, where they set this out. And fundamentally, and I'm I'm not talking from notes here, so I'm talking from sort of my memory. Um they they come at it this way. They say that um traits are fundamental biologically to to humans. And it it's the that we are predisposed to try to exhibit certain levels of extroversion, agreeableness, openness. Neuroticism and, and conscientiousness. We're, we're predisposed to exhibit those sorts of behaviors, to express them in the world. And the way that we do that is, of course, in interacting with situations. The so situations will moderate the opportunities for us to, to, to engage in our, our version, our level of extroversion, to, to, to engage in our level of conscientiousness. So already it says, well, that's, that's that trait activation idea. I if I want to be extroverted for a simple example, then I'm I'm happy if I'm extroverted because I'm doing what I like to do, which my body, my brain's telling me, you, you should be doing extroverted things. So if you give me the conditions to, to show my extroverted behaviors, I'm happy. Mm. Well, that sounds like a need to me already, because if I'm satisfying myself, I'm I'm comfortable and happy and enjoying it. That's a need, isn't it? What they say is this, is that our drive, so we have fundamentally set up in our brain to, to, be, to express our traits. And of course, we've, we've learned some of those needs as well. Those, those traits are shaped a little bit too. Mm. They then say that these, the need to express it, the desire to express it creates a higher order striving, a, 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 a higher mental goal. For us, and they 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 flip in and pull in goal theory to this as well, because of course that's very relevant. The learnings from that, and they just say this. Look, so the extroverted people with some agreeableness in there too, they they're going to have much more of a. They're going to shape a goal in the relatedness area. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not the relatedness goal. The relatedness motive doesn't come first. It comes because of my trait setup. I just then that goal becomes critical to me. Mm. And the same with conscientiousness and and perhaps emotional stability. I, I the, it's driving the nature of my goal in the competency area. The need to do things and to look good to to to, to feel good by completing my tasks.
0: Mm. So
1: this is how they relate it. So they they say they, they can link traits into so self determination theory, linking each trait or combinations with the goals uh, with the with self determination theories. Needs and they just call those higher order strivings, higher order goals. Right. And then they link those directly to work design because you give that work design allows people to satisfy, pursue the satisfaction of these needs. And for them, the ideas of meaningfulness and purposefulness are absolutely wrapped up in the pursuit of those goals and in the execution of them, the, the, the doing of those behaviors so they start to pull it all together in them this is how it is um and of course then that just that that interacts with the environment like i said these the environment work or social Mm. to to give the opportunities to express or or have those things suppressed Mm. they add to it in their model they say well if we look at social cultural theories and the interactionists like like hogan and so on who, who look at The the desire of the organism, human organism, to either get along with people or to get ahead of people—that that that needs for status and achievement over other people, competition—they add another area which is around the need for achievement Mm. and power. So they have four elements in their model actually, but the the core of it is still self-determination theory. So it's a it's a it's a really productive um, uh, I think development which again, is is still relatively recent and uh, is not even taught yet, as far yeah. as I can see, in many areas. Um, but I think it's fundamental that the desire to link social uh, psychological constructs that we are much more aware of now in the last 20 years, the yeah. last 30 years, um, and that we're not looking all the way back and, and stuck with the wonderful work done by Murray and, and Maslow's and, and Hertzberg and so on, but we're looking at Pulling these things together, clarifying our definitions and, and, and linking these our, uh, understandings of traits and needs and values and putting them together. To say, this is how it is. We need a parsimonious model of higher order drivings, mm. like we've got parsimony in describing behaviors. And that is something that we should come up with now in this 21st century. And I absolutely support that idea. Enough of making it up as and ignoring what's gone before, making up new definitions. No, we've got to build on it. And I think that's what these guys are doing in the theory of purposeful work behavior
0: mm-hmm. and
1: what self-determination theorists are doing as well because it's open. They're saying, add research, guys. Let's build on this to make something more and more cohesive. Um, and I think that's that's extremely productive.
0: Yep. I think it's, it's it's interesting. You are you are saying you know, uh, people don't talk about this or they don't teach. Well, I'm actually doing a a, a, a teaching course on motivation and, and emotion. And this, oh, you're the man. <laughs> this was a few. You're the man for the time. I actually talk about also that I I kind of recommend or rather introduce the ideas to the students to so let them realize that there's more than just one. Um, theory uh how we use them is 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 really depending on the the context here um and then of course there are a lot of theories there out you know and about the people who were using it before you have the theories theory hmm. X and why um now we were talking about this theory earlier on uh which I found called the uh the Progress principle now this was a book written by Emma Bill and Kramer and they came out with six things that you know. For people to experience uh, what what uh, and then recognize what meaningful purposes uh, progress. Sorry, uh, they said you, know, you need to set clear goals and objectives, allow autonomy, uh, provide resources, allow ample time, provide support and expertise, learn from failure. So from the uh, six points there, we were talking about it. They're so mm. similar to some of the theories that we already know, and I think newer theories are understanding that they cannot come up with a theory or an idea on its own but they have to borrow different uh, theories to, to come up with with a, a, a new suggestion which I think is a good thing because researchers are able to identify what are the best things that we could combine as you said why can't we have a model that has all this uh, parsimonious uh, bit in it and, and and people could use it? properly and not to depend on an old model which is not relevant or is very unclear in any case. Right when we it's talk about m- research fully and is not sufficient
1: yes. to be a model that we use as yes. truth, which is Maslow's classic. It just yes.
0: the research never stood up. No like people never let it go. No, no. I think I think because the impact is so great, wasn't it? I mean it's kind of yeah it I, it's very, It's what we would we would say is it's a kind of Barnon effect. Oh yeah, it applies to me. So everything makes sense. But beyond that, I, I think practitioners like ourselves and also yeah. researchers, we understand it has, it has moved from the pyramid to everything else already. So yeah. maybe organization is still not there yet. They're catching up. They're really catching up. I think podcasts like this is great because people can understand there's beyond Maslow Maybe we should title this as Beyond Maslow. <laughs> Up to, to you, <laughs> <my friend. laughs> because you know, we are talking about different theories. And and uh we like to be able to inform our listeners what, what we mm. understand. And that and then one of the things that we were talking earlier on, which is which is very interesting to, to maybe echo here, is that the um areas of organizational psychology or occupational psychology is not a very static uh industry or static uh Uh, practice, we are always evolving. We are always looking at different things. And psychologists in general, we we are good at doing that anyway. We critique every research we can think of. And then we think of what else can we do differently. And, And I think this is very important for HR practitioners or organizations who are really interested in wanting to provide maybe a better working environment for their employees or the well-being of their employees, or maybe employing people who are motivated or going to be staying with their organization. Uh, not only do they need to listen to our podcast, <laughs> but also be kind of um, be abreast in research in these areas because that is going to be only beneficial to them uh, understanding what are the current theories it will benefit them in terms of how they do selection, how they train, and how they develop people within the organization. so I think that is very important for uh organization to hear um and of course, you know James you, you have so many facets that you want to talk about motivation itself uh and I think we might have to actually do another episode just to do so uh to discuss a little bit more <laughs> well, you know, I don't know whether the listeners are thinking that. We, we, are, we are doing this uh, overboard by, by stretching the two, two uh, episodes. But I think if there are more things that we could talk about, I, I'm happy to, to have another discussion with mm-hmm. that. But of course, you as the listeners, please let us know. If you have any suggestions or you want to comment on what we were just talking about, do send us an uh, email to sitechat at omnisci.com. Or tweet to us at site underscore chat. Uh, we will be very you know happy to answer any question. Now, as usual, James, this has been fantastic. And I, um, for people who don't know that uh, we are using a video to do this, so I could see your expression as you're talking. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm uh, I, I, we might consider putting this uh, online somewhere so people could see us uh, <laughs> our animated uh, expression while we are talking about topics that really really uh we are passionate about uh but i think in the meantime they are probably just gonna just listen to us first until we are we're comfortable to perhaps show our face i'm not sure <laughs> some, some something in the pipeline but uh as as always thank you very much for My the pleasure. time and uh sharing with us your passion in in motivation uh and do stay tuned for our next episode uh What topics are we going to talk about? I don't know. But definitely, if you want to know, uh, subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for the next episode.